Hey everybody, my name is Garrett Mayo, and I'm a senior at the University of Alabama, majoring in History and Political Science. In addition to that, I'm also a member of the University Honors College. As a part of the Honors College, we have to choose a senior capstone project and base it around a signature work of ours, that, which is something that we really care about and are passionate about and want to raise awareness for. So for my signature work project, I'll be doing with my cousin Levi a podcast mini-series that brings awareness to the rural hospital crisis that our country is currently undergoing. And before we get into all that, Levi, introduce yourself. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Uh, like Garrett said, I am his cousin. My name is Levi Mayo. I'm 22 years old. I'm a public worker for the city of Woodstock in Woodstock, Georgia. I actually didn't go to college or anything like that. Just graduated right out of high school and got into the workforce. Yeah, so I mean, that's just the whole point of what we're trying to do here is to look at this issue. It's very easy for me, at least, to get caught up in the, you know, the academic side of things, studying articles and looking at like the politics of the issue. And once you go down that rabbit hole, it's hard to capture the perspective of the person who's not so well read on it and who doesn't like go in as deep as like a political science major would or yeah. something like this. So that's really what we're trying to capture here, just like kind of me give the more, more research, I don't want to say expert opinion, but like the more knowledgeable opinion, Levi kind of provide the perspective of the everyday guy. Is that how you would describe yourself, Levi? I feel Levi? like I am just an everyday guy, you know? I'm just a dude getting by. <laughs> yeah? yeah? So sir. to start off, and we kind of already hinted at this, but do you have any prior knowledge of the hospital crisis or I, what it is I don't dude all I know is like where we're from and stuff we have a few hospitals here and there they're not too far but I mean I, I don't really know too much about the crisis that they're going through and stuff like that but I do know that the ones we have are they're nice they're, they're good they're yeah. good for the people you know but I just don't know anything about the problems that's going on gotcha well you know I I said I kind of figured you'd be a good person to bring on and give that perspective and so I'll explain it to you. So to start off, I said that we've recently started a rural hospital crisis, but some would argue that we've always had a rural hospital problem and they wouldn't really be wrong. So in 1989, for example, two-thirds of the country's hospital closures were in rural areas. And it may seem obvious why rural hospitals would have a harder time staying open than an urban hospital, it's still worth noting that this is due mostly to the fact that the populations are less dense, meaning that hospitals get less visitors and make less money. And in addition to this, a lot of rural areas contain many impoverished people, and those people are unable to afford their care, and the hospital has to basically give out free service, which yeah. charges money for the hospital, but you know, they don't get any, don't get any money, money back on it, yeah. so it really makes them unprofitable and really hurts them. So pretty much what you're trying to say is, like, I guess, rural hospitals, like, have a hard time staying open because they exist in, like, low and scattered populations and stuff, which, I mean, don't those often contain many people who are kind of poor to any, not poor, but living in poverty, you know, like, under yeah. the, like, at the poverty line? Yeah. So that's pretty much why there is a problem but this problem escalated to a crisis in 2012 after the Supreme Court's decision in the National Federation of Independent Business versus Sebelius. So in March of 2010, 
Congress passed the Affordable Care Act, which we know is Obamacare. Mm. A lot of times, I think people forget that Obamacare is not an official name for it. Like the act didn't yeah, just say that, like it's Obamacare. Yeah, because like to me, as just like you know, going the everyday guy, that's all you hear. You never yeah. hear the Affordable Care Act. You don't really know the, I guess. Or if you do, you, you don't do. even know what it like exactly. is. What it does. What it actually what, is. Yeah. There's actually a really funny Jimmy Kimmel segment where. He, you know how he like, interviews people on the street sometime? Yeah. He does, he interviews people about which they prefer, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> and everybody was like, you should watch it, it's entertaining. That's funny. But a critical component of Obamacare was that all states would have to expand their Medicaid requirements in order to make it more accessible and reduce the amounts of uncompensated care hospitals and doctors' offices would have to provide. And it's worth noting here, Medicaid is essentially health care for the underprivileged. Gotcha. And at the time of Obamacare being passed, it was mostly limited to single parents and those who were in like the most extreme levels of poverty. And Obamacare sought to make it easier for the average person who's not very well off to get on Medicaid instead of like just the most destitute mm. of the destitute. Yes. And so that was the goal. And as soon as the bill was passed, the Obama administration was hit with countless lawsuits aimed at repealing or restricting different parts of the bill. So the 2012 case previously mentioned upheld the majority of the Affordable Care Act, much to the administration's delight. But it was found that the required Medicaid expansion was unconstitutional, which was a major blow to Obamacare. So this meant you know, since they had anticipated on Medicaid expansion, that this requirement was taken out of the act, and the decision on whether or not to expand Medicaid, make it to where more people could were eligible for it, was left up to individual states. Yeah, I'm kind of com- not confused to an extent. I didn't know like the Supreme Court can just find a part of an act unconstitutional and just tell Congress to deal with it at that point. Like, is, how does that work? Yeah, pretty much. You gotta love checks and balances. Yeah, they can just be like, yeah, like y'all gotta, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. y'all tried this, but you can do the rest of it, but you can't do this right yeah, here. That's deal I did not it. know that at all. That is insane. Yeah. So, I mean, that's awesome. That is, but it makes you wonder, like, why more people don't try to be on the Supreme Court instead of being like in Congress? <laughs> yeah, no, you would think like that is where the power is at but yeah. it's not as easy to get in the supreme court as there is congress yeah that makes sense congress there's about 500 of them only yeah. nine people on the supreme court yeah that's true very very true <laughs> but for those of you paying close attention at home you may have noticed that this court case wasn't decided until two years after the affordable care act was passed so after the passage of the bill obviously like we alluded to earlier it wasn't anticipated that a major component of the act would be found unconstitutional. So because the government didn't account for this possibility, they cut the amount of disproportionate share hospital funds that hospitals, particularly in rural areas, would receive. I was I say particularly because obviously urban hospitals receive this type of aid as well. It's just not as crucial to them because they get more visitors. But I was able to find an excerpt from the Georgia Department of Community Health website that sums up what DSH payments are pretty well. Per the website, and actually Levi, I'll let you read this one off. Per the website, oh gosh, the dis- 
Disproportionate Share Hospital DSH program is a federal program that works to increase health care access for the poor. Hospitals that treat a disproportionate, you say that word. That's treated a disproportionate, disproportionate all right, number of medical and other Medicaid, Medicaid and other indigenous patients qualify for DSH payments through the Medicaid program based on the hospital's estimated uncompensated cost of services to the uninsured. So the federal government thought that hospitals would be getting these funds straight from Medicaid, and so they cut the amount of DSH money to dish out to hospitals. So it sounds like the government pretty much had two separate healthcare tabs open and just like put them together at that point. Yeah, so that was the goal. So Medicaid became optional. The DSH money had already been cut, and these states who chose not to expand Medicaid were left in a tight spot. Those states were no longer get the needed DSH money, and since they chose not to expand Medicaid, the federal government doesn't cover the cost of their uncompensated care. To go with your analogy, they merged tabs, but the people on one of the tabs decided not to join on the new tab and now owed a heck of a lot of money. This leaves many hospitals unable to afford the cost of providing health care in rural areas. And in the last decade since that Supreme Court case, 106 rural hospitals are shut down. So basically, you know, due to the Affordable Care Act that was passed in 2010, hospital funds were cut and hospitals are closing because of that, like, reason or that passed? Yeah, essentially, yeah, they passed the ACA. They didn't account for the fact the Supreme Court would find the expansion clause unconstitutional, cut DSH payments, was later found the expansion was unconstitutional, and the states that didn't expand were owing a lot more money than they previously were. But to end this off, I think it would be good to state which states have chosen not to expand Medicaid. So since expansion became optional, 39 states, including uh, Washington, D.C., have opted to expand, and 12 states have decided not to expand. And those states are our own home state of Georgia, my second home state of Alabama, Roll Tide, and Texas, Mississippi, Florida, North and South Carolina, Tennessee, Wisconsin, South Dakota, and Wyoming. So that basically makes up most of the South and three Midwestern states. So any right. final thoughts, Levo? I do actually have one because I feel like that makes a lot of sense. You know, not to get political or anything, I'm just saying it how I see it, but I'm pretty sure most of those states are red, by the way. And, you know, Republicans are usually against expanding the powers of the government, I feel. To, am I right right there? Yeah. To an extent? yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense while they were, like, you would oppose the Medicaid expansion if it makes sense. Yeah, that's pretty much the crux of the issue. Yeah. Like, most political topics, both sides can recognize there is a problem. Yeah, rural hospitals are closing down. How do you solve it? And they'll sit and argue for 10 years and counting. But we'll get into the potential solutions in later episodes. And for next time, we'll save what the negative consequences of this issue are. See you folks.